This is season one, episode nine of the Money Talks, Money Matters podcast featuring the infamous Ashley Balio. Um, honestly, it's great to have you on. I know that you're killing it in the game right now. You own two Chick-fil-A's, you own a couple of rental properties, and you do commercial. So um, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. You flatter me. <laughs> my family has the two Chick-fil-A's. My husband is in charge of the operations now. We met competing for the franchise. I've been practicing real estate for the past four years because everybody needs a side hustle. And um, we also have a son, so trying to keep him alive and out of jail is a big focus at the moment as well. Got you. And um, just to start off, how did you even get in the Chick-fil-A business? Because I was watching a video yesterday and it says that Chick-fil-A is actually one of the hardest franchises to get in. They, o- they really only open average 110, 120 per, per year. So, For sure. So obviously um, luck is when opportunity <laughs> meets preparation. I got a job when I was 16 years old waitressing at a local country club. The fortunate thing was that one of the CEOs at Chick-fil-A was a member of that country club. So, yes, and I um, love work, like always been working, got a job when I was 16, worked three jobs during college. One of them was driving home to work at that country club because it paid an insane wage. So I would go get out of college in the afternoon on Fridays, work a 3 to 11 um, Friday, open 6 to 2 Saturday, Sunday, and get back up to school. So I was the golf court cart driver at that time and um, got to see the CEO on Sunday mornings, Um, was talking to him about job opportunities and internships because we were approaching the summer. He offered me a position with Chick-fil-A. Wow. So I took that internship and ran with it. Once I got in there, got to meet some of the people, get a feel for the culture, straight up would never leave. I love that Wait, so what was your job position when you were an intern? So as an intern, we actually lived in hotels and traveled to low brand awareness markets and just tried to help them get a feel for our brand identity. Be generous, give mm-hmm. away chicken. Um, that's a really verbiage, full way to say it. Honestly, I danced in the cow suit a ton. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. It, it was a great opportunity. And um, there were 60 interns that year of... That group, two of us, were rehired. And when I look at the comment for the following internship, and when I look at the common thread, it was the two people who wore the cow suit most often. Mm-hmm. So I think at that level, they were really vetting us for attitude yeah. and team. That's where you have to put your ego to the side and just kind of do what you got to do. Exactly. So yeah, I was disgusting, but I had a great time. Lost a lot of weight. It was pretty much like wearing a sweatsuit. Yeah, yeah. imagine. <laughs> but it got me in with the company. Was this where... in Florida still? This was... Georgia okay. is where I, I did high school and college based on my dad's career at the time. And then um, the internships I took, I worked in California for a summer, um, the Carolinas, Maryland at a point, um, took it every year, honestly. Uh, what did you study in college? I studied public relations with a Spanish minor. Did so, that help you at all? <laughs> does college help anyone? <laughs> no. Um, college, I was there for free, so I'm grateful that I okay. had the opportunity. Of course. Um, but I mean, I worked three jobs and I think most of the value came from having work experience and a good attitude. So would you rather have been a full-time student or a full-time worker? Both. So I'm, I'm very big on playing the game. Uh, when I was coming up, like this is a long time ago, I graduated in 2008. So at that point, a college degree was still looked upon as the gold standard. And I'm very big on path of least resistance. So if I know a degree is going to get more doors open for me, I'm going to get the degree. Granted, you have to do it in a smart way. Now I would agree that you should 
avoid debt if there's online opportunities because student debt is what's crippling most people at this point. Correct. So I think there's – you just got to be strategic. Oh, yes. But if you knew for a fact that you were going to go on in college taking on fifty to sixty to $70,000 worth of debt, would, would you have gone? Or? I would have never taken on that debt. Okay. I figured. Yeah. I, I graduated debt-free though because of the opportunity. Correct. Um, and my husband did the same thing. He – even though he started at LSU where he was going to pay out-of-state tuition, he quickly looked at those costs and decided to move back to Florida. He graduated from FAU in three years with no debt again. Wow. And that's one of the things where we've pointed towards our financial success is so many people in our generation are saddled with student loans. So we're very grateful to avoid that. Yeah, it's modern-day slavery at this point. It's, yeah. it's really bad. Um, and like, how do you even fathom that you give an 18 year old with no guaranteed job after a hundred thousand dollar loan, you can't do it in the business world. If I want a hundred thousand dollar loan, there's no way I'm getting that. It just doesn't make sense. Maybe if you want to be a doctor. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah, but know. most people in college. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for, for me, at least, I think my, my philosophy on college is if you don't want to be a doctor, a lawyer or something that you need to show a, yeah. some sort of, of like a paperwork, I would say then you technically, you don't really need it. Meaning, like you could you could learn whatever you want now on the internet, or just work experience, or because I could I could have gone to college, I could have got a four year degree in real estate, and been taught how to do real estate. But if I learn and fail during the actual course of real estate, meaning me going on my own path, my own journey, I mean I still get the same lessons without eighty thousand dollars in my pocket that's missing. Exactly. <laughs> I want to dive in real quick on when you were talking to the CEO when you're working at the country club. What were some things that you're proud of yourself for that you could have? That could have been probably detrimental to the relationship with the CEO. Like, what are some things that you did right, I would probably say? Attitude is everything. Mm -hmm. So there's only two things in life you can control, your actions and your attitude. Um, showing up there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, 6 a.m. as a college kid, I had his attention just by being happy to be there. That was not common. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then also recognizing him going above and beyond having his preferred items ready. The breakfast was already fired up so that he never missed a tea time. Just being aware of the opportunity. And to be candid, I was not doing it to win favor with him. It was just doing my job at a high level. And so I was operating consistent with my own personal standards and it happened to get me noticed. Where did you gain those personal standards? My That's... parents are the best. Really? Uh, I mean, of course I still do therapy to get over the demons but yeah. <laughs> they, they did a good job um <laughs> my so what are some key aspects that you took away from them meaning like what did you transfer from that to the business world my favorite thing about my parents is even though we were born into a very fortunate life bills were paid nice house country club lifestyle we i had to get a job as soon as i turned 16 they always instilled in me the value of hard work and also just being aware of who you're surrounded with um, one of my favorite stories about my dad is he was very high up in the company that he did sales for. The company car at that point was his dream car. He It was a Jaguar. He'd wow. always wanted it, but he had the self-awareness to turn, turn it down and get a Ford um, because he didn't want to drive on the lot every day where people were getting paid $30,000 tops a year to do a job and his car cost three times that. Yeah. It didn't seem right. Yeah. So his whole thing was be strategic. Like you can flex and you can hustle hard and you can enjoy everything life has to offer, but there's a right way to do it. Definitely. Got and it. So. And then has your, has your faith affected your business? For sure. So, um, I do, I am a Christian. I believe Christ died for our sins and saved us. Way to evangelize. <laughs> um, I was raised in a private school because that was the right educational opportunity, but it was, I wasn't on 
in church on Sundays. And then when we moved from the very liberal California to very conservative Georgia, it was actually very hard to fit in with a faith community. It wasn't until I started with Chick-fil-A and was surrounded by a lot of really authentic Christians. And by that, I mean people who were so focused inwardly on being generous servants, bringing glory to God, and less on what everybody else should be doing, that I really started to feel the love of Christ. And at that point, went through the motions of baptism and really beginning to walk as a follower of Christ. Yeah, that's definitely where I'm at probably right now because I'm a Christian as well. And I always say like, uh, before I would look at other Christians and be like, why are you not doing this the right way? Or why is everything this way? And it's very outwardly, which is, um, I would say a cowardly way of being a Christian because you, you don't want to go through the pain of seeing what you have wrong inside you. And uh, I, yeah, I'm realizing the more you can look inward, your business gets a lot better, your life gets a lot better, and obviously your relationship with God. But I think it's just so much more beyond that. It's just like, you're a better person. That's oh, for really sure. Yeah. And if the people at Chick-fil-A weren't super kind and loving, um, I would not be with the company still. Yeah. yeah. The granddaughter of one of the founders was actually my roommate for a very short wow. time because we met on our first internship. She then came back to Georgia where I was at college, needed a place to stay. My parents used the money that they had saved to pay for our college education to house hack. So instead of that going to pay for education, we bought a condo and then rented it to roommates as well so that all the expenses were covered. Wow. Yeah, my parents are cool. That's called just setting you up. Yeah, exactly. And so, but she needed a place to stay. I had an extra bedroom. This sweet, sweet girl who was raised never watching TV, like, honestly, they're they're like the ideal family is how you should spend your time and communicate. She walks in. I have a liquor spinner on the counter. <laughs> um, and, I mean, Mardi Gras beads hanging everywhere. Like, uh, I, I did college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I went to University of Georgia. Where Of course. You're going to have fun. It, it was nice. But um, the fact that she showed me continual grace, always invited me to church, even came out with me, although she behaved much better. Um, and they, they still let me work for the company and let Jesus work on me versus them trying to change me made a big difference. Yeah. It really changed your life when you meet someone that's actually that genuine. They really just yeah. care about you no matter what you do. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I'm a diehard Chick-fil-A fan for that reason. <laughs> so, Best people ever. So with Chick-fil-A, I mean, I know it only costs 10K to start up, but you also have to take into account to leasing, to paying the workers, to, I would say, you guys pay healthcare or is that is that separate too? It is an expense, but you okay. have room. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I was just running the numbers and on, on average it costs 10K to open, but Realistically, it's like 300000 400000 to run and operate. You would think if, if Chick-fil-A wasn't the very best. So they the way that it started was when Truett Cathy, the founder, wanted to franchise the business opportunity, he wanted a certain type of person in the business working on the business. And it's really hard to find that type of person with a ton of money. Um, because usually the people with a ton of money are looking for passive income opportunities. Mm, okay. So what he did was it was $5,000 to stock a store at that time. And so he charged one of his managers $5,000 and covered all the other expenses till they could get it up and make it profitable. So you're actually operating out of Chick-fil-A's bank account when you're Mm. doing the building, the staffing, the funding, the marketing, all these expenses you would anticipate. It doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of your profits. You're living the dream. It's unlike anything. It is the most generous company on the planet, which is why everybody wants one. So start dancing an account now, people. Yeah, no, I was about to say, so... Could you try to break down the numbers for me a little bit about operating, running, and then the prop, like the profits that you earn at Chick-fil-A? For sure. So I'll speak in generalities to not like blow my husband's finances up. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically what we do is you have 
a franchise fee that's a fixed percentage. I think we're at 15 or 18% right now. And again, my husband's the one doing the books on that for the past four years. So things have adjusted slightly. Mm -hmm. There's like a 6% rent cap that is relatively new as Chick-fil-A expanded into more competitive markets like New York or San San Francisco. These places, well, I don't think we're in San Francisco, maybe San Diego, but cities where rent would have been cost prohibitive to opening a business because you couldn't control your fixed expenses. They wanted us to expand into that type of market. So it's now a 6% rent cap. You also have your labor and wages. Ideally, you're running those right around 22 to 21%. Food cost, ideally, you're keeping it under 30. That has become more challenging during COVID. Um, so all in all, when you factor out profits, if you are running a healthy Chick-fil-A, your goal is 12% profit. At 12% profit, you then split that with Chick-fil-A. So our take-home would be around 6% at the end of the day, which these stores, because of the brand awareness, because of the quality that the brand commits to, you're doing very high volume in sales. So the actual money you're taking home, even though it's only 6%. The 6% like 5 million, 6% of 6 million. Exactly. No, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It's incredible. Correct. Got it. Now, do you plan on owning more Chick-fil-A's or are you just two and done? So it is very hard to get multiple Chick-fil-A's. Fair. Um, we were fortunate enough to, I think we're only the second or third couple in South Florida to have more than one. So it's it's not very easy to get multiple. I know there's maybe four or five operators throughout the whole chain that have three. So it's not necessarily impossible. Um, I don't know how wise it is <laughs> um, because, again, there is a cap to your time and attention. I was about to say, like, how much time do you put in a day to it still, like now that it's up and running and all smooth? So the reality is at – the level of operations that we're currently experiencing, when you had a $2 million store, you could be in there on a register talking to your 40 or 50 team members, having relationships. And like really, there was a level of proximity that you were afforded. But as the organization grows, you have to scale. So now we used to go in and know every team member. Now the goal is just to know our leadership. And we now have about 240 employees. So the reality is even with Chick-fil-A having the least amount of turnover in the industry, you still can't spend four hours getting to know somebody who isn't yeah. going to work with you in a week. Yeah. And that, and that was a hard lesson to learn, but we wanted to make a better work environment for everybody, which means we need to make sure that we have great leadership who is delivering that consistent experience to the next tier down until you have your general employee. So this is what I'm excited about now. Yeah. How do you find good leadership? What, is, what do you look for in people? What's your hiring methods? I'm you, curious about that. You so. can't train character. So okay. that's, that's the first thing. Um, you can't train enthusiasm. I, was it Wooden who talked about you'd rather have a team member who worked hard over a naturally talented team member? I don't remember who said that. Any day. But it's that theory. Yeah. I know Mark Cuban's really big on you. Like, I don't care about potential. I care about what you actually do. He's big on that. That's that's a fact. Yeah. But we, we're a starting wage type company. Even though we don't pay minimum wage, we don't have employees for life at the team member level. They usually want to work up to have a more sustainable wage. We, we train the workforce. So... What people do is typically show up without their uniform on that you just bought them yeah. or, or not show up on time because a concert came to town and that became more important. Like those are the general struggles that everybody always struggles with, with staffing. Does it get any better? Leaders. Leaders are the most important thing. So you want to create a work environment where people are compensated fairly, have the right amount of benefits and actually enjoy coming to work. So culture has been our biggest piece for retaining people. And that's basically making sure that they have a safe workspace. They know what to expect. The training's consistent. They're not getting micromanaged by 10 different people with 10 different opinions. Yeah. A really clear structure has been the best way to see satisfaction 
amongst our team because ultimately if they know what's expected of them, if something is not aligning with their expectations, they can either identify why because you communicated it or you can hold them to a higher standard because you communicated it. Either way, if there's an issue and you can't source it back to your communication, it is your fault as a leader and you need to address it with yourself. Are there any big backend tools that you use as far as software or um, even just Google Suite? Like, What do you really use to stay on top of everything, stay organized? Because I know so, organization is a big thing. Yes. Um, because Chick-fil-A is huge, they actually have systems within the corporation that they provide to us as part of that franchising and operating fee. So, yes. Are you allowed to say what it is? Um, I honestly don't even know what it's called mm. at this point. They've um, they've done like three or four upgrades since I was a manager that actually did anything with it. Yeah. So, 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 so it's basically, to me, I see it as like a big pyramid. I mean, I see the Chick-fil-A owners on top. I see you kind of in the middle and then everyone else underneath you. So do they manage everything about the store and you just take control of getting great leadership, great quality food, and great service? Yeah. Is so, that, yeah. So in a perfect day, we have the team members that are interfacing with the guest. We have a shift leader that is over the team member to make sure they're positioned well, getting their breaks, having their needs met so that they can service the guest. Above the shift leader, we have a manager who is looking at either front of house or back of house operations. They're the ones saying like, hey, shift leader, I'm noticing a bottleneck in this drive through line because our order takers are running slow. Let's fix it. Above the, like just those little tensions that are going to create lacks of efficiency. And then beyond the manager, you actually have a director. The director is not only looking at the hiccups in operations, but they're also looking at the overall numbers on how we can streamline and clean up. So yeah, we pushed 140 cars that hour, but maybe if we do X, Y, Z, we can get it up to 170. And then of course the top, the operator is the coach. And he's the one who ultimately, not he, she, anyone, the operator, I sound really like antiquated talking about my husband this way, <laughs> but it's only because he is a dude and he is the owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but basically, um, his job is to review the PLs every month. He looks at what how. Are P&Ls? Oh, profit and loss statements. Okay. Got it. And so he's the one going over all the numbers and looking for gaps in efficiency. He then takes that back to the director of each respective store and says, What do we really have the capacity to tackle? And here's the thing there's always going to be 30 things wrong with your store at any given time. You need to identify what the top two or three are, and then you need to be gracious enough with your people to give them the flexibility to address it. Because if you're sitting there caught in the weeds, like, "Mm, I got my ice cubes wrong, your store is going to be terrible. That's a huge mental game. Wow. (laughs) I can imagine the mental barriers you have to go through to, like, get to that flow mindset because with all those problems, because you're always putting out fires, I'm sure. Um, That's really impressive. When we started the business, our instinct was to make everybody happy, to know every... T- <laughs> can't well, do that. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Oh my gosh, you wish though. In Chick-fil-A though, you feel like you should. It's Especially with that other than culture and Disney, environment. Yeah, we're the happiest. But when you're managing over probably, I would say 100 plus people, it's kind of hard to that, really get in touch with everyone and get to know their true background and their personal story. That was the biggest growth opportunity in our business was moving past having the individual relationships with team members. Because I used to sit in our office for almost 10 hours a day and I open door policy because we do genuinely appreciate everyone there. But then I wouldn't be able to look at the grand scheme of what was going on in our business because you have the person coming in saying, hey, I think that if we reorganize these shelves, like this would be more fun for me. But if you have 50 people over the course of the day giving you their ideas you really become inefficient. 
So we had to create that distance so that we could only tackle the bigger problems. And what we do is if somebody sees a problem, if they're willing to carry out the solution themselves, we'll support them all day long. But we no longer want people to bring us problems without solutions. Because if you're just frustrated by something, but you can't think of a way to find your own satisfaction within it, you're either not going to be a good fit on the team or you're going to learn to adjust to it. Which sounds really harsh, but yeah. it's, just how it's it, the it's reality. How it is, yeah. Correct. So, I mean, so say at one point you're managing 100 people. Now, do you think that you could do the same with real estate and have a huge team underneath you? And then again, everything goes back to the pyramid of you're on top then everything kind of falls under you. Yes. So I we got our first franchise when we were 24 years old. Um, my husband and I met competing for the franchise. So we really wanted to tackle it equitably at first, where both of us were in the business hands-on. So by the time I literally fell off a curb and broke my foot so that I couldn't go into the business, um, then got my real estate license via Groupon because I couldn't walk and it was 20 bucks, maybe 26. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm bad with rounding numbers. But basically, the last thing I wanted was to be in charge of people. <laughs> it's why really? I... It's why I buried myself in that little hole and did all of the prep work for seven months and didn't really talk to anybody. Um, From the age of 24, when you're responsible for 60-plus people's happiness at any given time and also in charge of an organization that at that point was pushing around $4 million, the pressure really was extraordinary. So I was looking at real estate as an outlet for as we became more lucrative with the Chick-fil-A opportunity – I could start representing my family's best interests, looking for real estate investments. I didn't have the intention of buying or selling real estate for other people. It was supposed to be for us. So did it start off as your first um, investment and then real estate or your first commercial then real estate or real estate then It's while I was learning, because I do think the person who represents themselves has the potential to make huge mistakes. I don't think anybody should just go get a real estate license to start making money. So I wanted to be good by the time I made my first investment. Mm. So So I spent- the world was just trying to your practice game. Exactly. So I spent those six months before I closed any deals between getting my license, learning everything I could so that when we identified the investment opportunity, I wasn't mismanaging our family's assets. Respectable. Yeah. Right. Well, I hate losing money. It makes me salty. As it should. (laughs) I would hope so. Stored, like, I have a weird thing about stewardship because of Christianity where, like, I'll break an iPod and be, like, mad about it for days because I'm like, (laughs) wow, that shows how old I am too. (laughs) Um, But, like, that's the last thing I broke. That's how long it's been since I've been that careless. Um, But basically, the goal, I totally lost track. I'm still mad about the iPod. Yeah. Honestly, it derailed me. (laughs) But with you managing, like, everyone and, you know, having a team. Yes. So by the time I was ready to manage my own deal, I had friends who had also – it comes up in conversation. When you're excited about something, you talk about it. So I had some friends come to me and say, hey, we want this property. What do you think? And so I made that deal happen for them, did one for myself, realized it's a lot of money. And it became very hard not to take on additional clients at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think my first full year in real estate, I closed around $5 million, um, looked around at the office and realized that the production I was putting up as a – a terrible hobby. It's one of those hobbies that takes 50 hours a week. Um, Most hobbies do. Yeah, right? (laughs) Our hobbies make money and money is always going to take 50 hours a week. So that year I looked at the numbers I was putting up, looked at the money I was handing over to my brokerage and just wasn't impressed with the current structure. So I went and took the systems that I developed for myself and found the most successful agent in our office and said, I will clean up your systems so that you have more freedom 
in exchange, I want to be at your split and you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I was like, basically, I just want to be on your team in name only because I don't want to be paying our company what I'm currently paying them. And he agreed to it. He was very kind. It was really cool to see what he was doing because he was somebody who was working so busy in his doing so much in his business he never worked on his business so his life quality was tough that's normally how it goes as a self-employed person exactly and all real estate agents are ultimately self-employed yeah and, and wait sorry go yeah. on oh no go so basically we cleaned up his systems um at that point there was a loss in the company where somebody i cared about passed away and so at that point i chose to move on to a different brokerage entirely because i was just sad going into the office yeah which that sounds terrible but it, it's what it, happened it's okay yeah um you can go so um so with real estate you're self-employed and with chick-fil-a i'm assuming are, are you self-employed or do you do a w-2 with them We're, we are uh, sole proprietors it's why the franchise fee increased to ten thousand dollars the federal government decided nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine is the threshold for self-employment at this point okay <laughs> got it now so with that you, so you can write off a lot of stuff with your store within your store uh, but like that's what i'm saying but you don't pay for anything therefore making write-offs not available it, to you exactly so we do lose the tax advantage that you would typically have um, within running your own business, that is more available within the real estate realm, which is ultimately why we wanted to do real estate is we were looking at whether we depreciate the asset, look at it as passive income, um, look at the appreciation in the market. There's a lot of different benefits to holding real estate because our tax laws allow you to be very creative. So that was ultimately why we wanted to have that as one of Got the it. points of diversification. Now, do you have a LLC or a sole proprietorship or... As Chick-fil-A, it's a sole prop. Um, for real estate, I should have an LLC. I do or not. Or a PA? Uh, we just carry a boatload of insurance. Wow. So okay. what we've learned is initially we thought, oh, we'll start the major LLC and then have umbrella LLCs for each property. And that way, if you get Almost sued- like a holding company. So with LLCs, obviously, they protect your personal assets from any liability. And what you can do to save money on your LLC structure is you have an umbrella LLC. So you can have one LLC with four different LLCs underneath it. Yeah. And then they all have the individual protections as What's well. What's the difference? Is it, so it's not a DBA. It's an actual LLC. Yeah, they are. And um, I again, we hire – I'm very big into hiring people who are better than you <laughs> at your job because the time it would take me to learn – Anything about our tax code, I could go sell 10 houses and of course. pay for the best account. The accountant. tax code is so complicated. Exactly. I tried to look into it and I was like, okay. No. It's, if you find out what you're good at, make your money there, and then pay for everything else. Because at the end of the day, your investment of time is not worth it unless you're doing it for enjoyment. That would be the exception. That's a golden nugget. So, I like that. No, it's, it's just the truth. Like I don't – I used to clean my own house, but the cost of me not going out with a client – Versus having somebody come in clean, like I could make eight thousand dollars more a month by selling a house, and what it cost me four hundred to have my house cleaned because I'm not filthy. And I think this is where the <laughs> so, um, the wealthy mentality really yeah. comes in over just the poor mindset where people think every dollar is important and there's things where you can manage properly. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree that every dollar is important, which is why I don't want to waste it paying myself to do something that could be done cheaper by somebody yeah. else. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I like the way you think. And so did you ever read The Millionaire Real Estate Agent? Yes. I really do like Gary Keller's book. (laughs) Okay. Got it. And he really preached a system. So, I mean, with assistance and time management, do you have an assistant yourself who's helping you? So I've tried those strategies like and it's it's the people issue. So I did. I brought in an assistant who wanted to get her license and we create – my issue is (laughs) – so many issues. Do better than me. Basically – 
I did hire the assistant and I created a contract where if you did this, you get this amount of money. If you do this, you get this amount of money. It's like a graduation system. Exactly. And it was very fair fair on paper. But then when it came time to actually pay her, I'm, of course, paying at the highest tier. Um, She hasn't fulfilled her portion of the deal and I'm noticing mistakes. And so the reality is I could have, if I wanted to grow a team structure and do more real estate sales, I would have scaled back from being in the business to being on the business properly trained the assistant, held her to standard, and moved on. Like, that would have been the correct choice. But then it's, why am I doing real estate? I'm doing real estate not to have people to manage. I'm doing real estate so that I have... So you have to remember your why. It's so hard, though, because everybody tells you how to grow your team, how to get more agents. Everyone has an opinion. And I feel that way as well with photography. When you're in videography photography, a lot of the principles stay the same around different niches. So... Um, if I want to specialize in say real estate, I'll get a wedding or I'll get an mm-hmm. event. And then it's really hard to say no to certain projects just because like, you know, specialization and your why of why you're doing the future plans to grow is there. But then you see that quick little, but I can do a little more if I do this. And, but I've learned every time I do that, things fall under the rug. It's terrible. And it just blows up on you. I become unkind. So like, I, I don't say no to anything, but I get so tired, so sleep deprived. Like, I don't like missing my workouts because I turn into a monster. I need the endorphins. Mm. Um, I don't want to say no to my child because he's going to grow up and move out one day. So if he asks me to sit and cuddle, I want to sit and cuddle without being bitter about it. Um, I'm trying not to be a complete shrew to my husband. Um, But (laughs) truly, when you get married, that's usually the first person who takes your pressure on. And so I was just realizing as, as I was trying to grow a team, as I was trying to have an assistant, as I was trying to be what everybody else defined as a successful agent, mm-hmm. I wasn't kind. I was tired. I, I was literally having panic attacks and like trying to muscle through it, thinking it was um, a muscle issue. And that's why the my grind shoulder. is kind of like not the thing you want to be doing and it's about the balance. Why? Like, because the answer would be more money, but the reality is, is invest the money we have better and see the same ROI. So so for right now, it's work smarter, not work harder. A hundred percent. I worked very hard for a very long time. My husband and I joke that we are the happiest. Ever since we turned about 33, we've been living the dream. We do a ton of events. We, we get to do a lot of really fun stuff, but it's because we did nothing from age 24 to 32. We were the ones that would miss every party because we were out working. Smart. I like Even though I had a great time in college, I worked three jobs in college and maintained an academic scholarship. Wow. I, can, I assure you that nobody else in my circle was doing that. Yeah. So, so do you think it's worth sacrificing your entire 20s to... All day long. But when you get to the... <laughs> after that, then it's time to uh, wind down a little bit and really understand your family is important. It's the Dave Ramsey quote, live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Yeah. That's honestly, as far as Dave Ramsey goes, my favorite thing that yeah. he said. Some of the other stuff I take yeah, issue yeah. with. Yeah, um, I like credit cards. I think you can game that system for a ton of money. Um, I think Dave Ramsey's uh, mentality is more towards the person that just has no, no self-control. Yeah, no self-control. <laughs> financial literacy is 100% just self-control. I mean, there's tactics that go into it, but the main key points that you learn about it is um, don't overspend, only spend what you have. Well, there are simple things, but... When you take on credit cards, that's where he's saying he's more talking to the person that has no control, yeah. which is understandable. But no, he, he's done very well for himself. I have mad respect oh for Dave gosh, Ramsey, obviously. but he would not be impressed with my Amazon card balance. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. No, no, when you told that, <laughs> that story about carry. your husband, when you told your story about the husband with the Jaguar, that's when I thought about, you know, he used to have a Jaguar and then he was like living amongst his means and, um, you know, happened with that. So with all that being said, I'd like to just add on just saying 
do you plan to retire soon? Just because, just because of the fact that again, because I feel like you do have the opportunity and you do have the capital. Would you plan on like an early retirement in your thirties or late late thirties or early forties? I retired last year. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm the worst. No, we um, that that was the mentality that COVID really brought us. Like when I realized just how hard we were working, and really all needs are met, and we're currently making enough to be picking up and we've we've purchased two properties in the past six months for investment purposes we just paid off two other properties cash because we could so i mean we're at a point where time is the only thing i cannot get more of and that there's no guarantee so once covid loosens up i want to travel there's so much i want to see and do i will 100 percent pull my kid from school and stay on top of his curriculum if it means we're going on a train through Alaska. That's amazing. Or, I mean, there there are so many things to see and do in this life. I want to take full advantage. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so I retired already in my, my heart. My okay. Heart That's awesome. <laughs> As a quick little recap, uh, I want to just go over, you're really good at working on businesses compared to in business. I mean, you work good in business as well, but um, you've worked on the Chick-fil-A. You've helped other real estate agents smooth out things. What are some key things that people normally just can't see when they're too far in the business to smooth out and optimize workflow? You have to look at when something goes wrong, who is taking the call. If you are the only person in the business who can solve the problem, you've mismanaged your business. You haven't invested in others. It's the 80-20 principle. Are you familiar? Where Not entirely. If somebody can do the work 80% as well as you, you should delegate it. So you are doing only 20% of what your business requires. That's why you get paid the big bucks. You're, you're the visioneer, the coach, the person who's looking for the larger themes within your business to keep everyone on track. But all the minutiae, if somebody can perform at least 80% as well as you, you need to let it go. Because ultimately, your business will never grow. You're never going to allow somebody else to become creative and find the solutions. And it will always be reliant on you, which is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's you're, It's unscalable. Yeah, and it's just getting over the fear, I guess, of trusting someone else. Because you will be disappointed. <laughs> so would you say you, you, your business partner right now would be your husband? Like he is, he's, he's your main guy. So he, he's my partner in crime. He, when I fell off the curb, he, that was a huge blessing. Sorry. I speak of that very literally when I broke my foot and stopped being in the Chick-fil-A oh, wow. nonstop. That was a metaphor. It, no, I literally fell oh, off wow. the curb. I'm very clumsy. It's a gift. Um, literally it changed my life, but he is now the one really spearheading the Chick-fil-A's and the businesses have radically transformed since then because we have competing ideologies on what a business requires i you can hear how disastrously i've run my real estate business i overpay i over deliver i don't hold people to the same expectation and so that is why i have burned through i had one team member I, I haven't had success with team members until recently. And right now I, I have my team closing 3 million this month that I haven't had to do anything for. So I'd say that I finally figured out how to scale my Chick-fil-A models towards real estate. Yeah. And that's great. But, but it was a long road coming because it's very hard to not compensate for somebody else's lack of action. To let people sit with their own consequences is entirely against my comfort level especially when I feel very blessed financially and my instinct is to make sure everybody else is blessed. Yeah. But the reality is not everybody deserves it and that's been a huge growth point. I need to hear that. 
It's hard. It's really you, difficult. You want to give. Like, especially when I don't acknowledge, nothing in my life is deserved. Like, I don't feel entitled. We could lose Chick-fil-A tomorrow and I'd be fine. I'd go get a job elsewhere. Um, I don't want that. Please don't hear that. True. <laughs> um, but, but no matter what, like, we're not entitled to anything. I, yeah. I could lose a client that I've been busting my butt for. Um, and it is what it is. But I, for some reason, cannot extend that same harsh reality towards others. And I have a very challenging time holding them to task. But my husband does not have that issue. He, like, honestly, you cross him or show one lapse in ethics, you're dead to him. Because he, he's the most honorable person I've ever met. So he doesn't even understand. Like, when people don't have the integrity or the work ethic necessary, there's, he's had to learn to be gracious. So we're good for each other. Yeah. That's ultimately what it comes to. Yes. So would you say he kind of pushes you within the realm of self-improvement? And 100%. Got you. Because like, I, I feel like that's the, that's the one thing that people should be focusing on. Not a partner who they enjoy, but the partner who's pushing you to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, honestly, great yeah. to hear. He challenges me to be kinder to myself, to allow my sa- myself the same grace and opportunities that I give others. And then I challenge him to be more psychotic, <laughs> to to experience more, to get out of his comfort zone. So what he now does in the business is he works all the numbers over. He coaches the team directly. And then what I've spent time on is the system development, the training, um, books like Crucial Conversations that have really good skills that every leader could benefit from. I like to go through and make outlines. And then I'll sit down and talk through the material with leaders if they're interested. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of self-development available for our team, but it's optional. It's if you want my time. That's my role in the business now is if they want my time, I will do whatever study they want. We can coach on finances. We can coach on improvement, on challenging conversations, on exercise. Um, The 75 hard that we're doing, the modified version, is actually with one of our top leaders at the Coconut Creek location. So we – my goal is I'm now a big cheerleader who will be available so much as they want it, but I'm no longer forcing it on them the way that I used to. It's a mandatory class. Like – yeah. Come take all my time and, and energy. And that way you don't feel um, as let down when people don't hold up to expectations that you set for them. Exactly right. And and that's just it, is if I'm giving you my time as a gift, I don't get to be grumpy if you don't meet my expectations. So I can only give it on terms that I'm comfortable with, whether or not you maximize the yeah. opportunity. I like that. That's with everything. So what's the one key thing that you have to deal with with stress? Because I know with people, I mean, comes a lot of stress. So like just walk us through like your daily like – relief of stress so that's honestly working out is everything and i'm trying to be more okay getting interrupted in my workouts it used to be something where if somebody came in when i was at peak cardio usually my son he's seven he always interrupts (laughs) um so like he used to i'd be like trying to do a pr and my phone's already ringing Mm. because real estate my son's standing beside me saying i want a sandwich and and so that but i'm So then you you scale back to address the needs and then you're mad because you missed the mark that you were ultimately trying to hit for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to reframe it because the life phase I'm in now is my son's going to want a sandwich and my phone's going to ring. So instead of being salty about not PRing, I say, hey, like, thanks for coaching me, buddy. Go get me a towel. (laughs) And just I'm, I'm trying to be nicer to myself because ultimately that's where the frustration was coming in is, okay, so I didn't PR on my ride this morning. Still showed up and got 45 minutes in. It did its job. It's okay that it wasn't my best. 
And that's really hard to say. It's hard to get, I was about to say, it's hard <laughs> to get the mentality because we know our potential, we know what we're capable of. So it's, we feel, well, I feel more like a, more like a bum if I don't reach that goal because I know I can do it. And, uh, I, I don't like that sense of like BS in my head. Like I, I try it. to get rid of that completely. It's an so excuse. <laughs> when I started getting that, oh, it's going to happen. Like, it's okay. It was meant to happen. Or it was about, I, I know you should think like that, but it's really, really difficult to. And, and so here's the difference. The only reason I, I don't like the mentality of it's okay. And so if, if PRing was my ultimate goal, I would not be okay letting up. But my goal is not to snap at my son when he interrupts a workout. Mm, okay. My real goal is that my son feels like I am present and available to him so that we can have a good relationship. So you have bigger always. priorities than just that. And so it's just reminding, like, do I care? And my, my team member who now has COVID, that was the interruption that was happening on the phone during this morning's workout. She's, she's closing a $1.2 million today that she doesn't get to be there for. Wow. That sucks. Yeah. And so like, I want to answer her calls because she has given me a large chunk of that deal. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm going to be excited when she calls and I'm going to work on not snapping and being like, what? Cause that's, that's not the type of person I want to be. So yes, not PRing did crush my soul, but I'm really being rude to my team member or my child would have crushed my soul too. Got it. So I'm trying to accept the right failure. <laughs> Were you always like such like a positive smiley person? Cause like anytime I text you, anytime, anytime I call you, I mean, I mean, it always ends up in like a cheering conversation Meaning, like, it just, it just, it just seems everything about you, like your whole, just, just persona and self is just, just glowing. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, I say that as a compliment, but it's also great for business because, yeah. I mean, it just, it, just, it, it goes hand in hand. So, were you always like that? Sounds like it. Yes and no. Like, I'm, I'm a very happy person. Um, being consistently happy is a lot of I. I like to start my day early. I like to start my day reading the Bible. Um, and to be honest, like it's some days my eyes are glossing over because Old Testament, no offense to believers. <laughs> Old Testament. Um, but it's just, I, this is a persona I want to give because this is what I feel like is going to energize people. And, and I feel better for it. So sometimes it's a fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, but if you say grumpy stuff, if you have grumpy reactions, like you, you are grumpy. Like you get into an attitude spiral. Yeah, you and, automatically lost. Yeah. So. so on days that I might not be feeling it, um, talk to yourself, get yourself circled back up, and get in the game. You so just learn to just deal with it. You do it on purpose. Like yeah. it's it's one of those things where advice that I'm trying to take now is get excited every time I see my husband. So we're at almost 12 years of marriage, and I want to make sure that every time he walks into a room, my eyes light up because that is like how good would you feel? And, like, that's a way that I want to love him better. So do I always get excited to see my husband? No. But do I know to put the smile on my face so that the excitement can follow? There yeah, it is. Yeah, and then that goes uh, – I think Rich Dad Porter I talked about a little bit, but it's just a general rule where you kind of got to start it. You, yeah. you don't – you can't – we have – that's where it becomes really selfish and also uh, not realistic where we say, like, I expect people to be more nice to me. Why isn't everyone nice to me? And then you're like, have you been nice to other people? And then they say, like, if you want more smiles in your life, you smile first. And most of the things that we want, we have to initiate it. It's a little more work, but it's what you have to do, you know? Yeah. It's the Disney princess mentality. Like, I've never met a grumpy person in my life because people aren't grumpy with me. Because if somebody was going to be mean to me, can you imagine how salty they would be? Yeah. No, <laughs> you got to be on a different yeah. level. So, like, everybody's really nice to me, but I also, like, it's, 
I make it really hard to be mean. Yeah. It's just the right way to go about it. Life is easier. It's and that's where it goes to taking full accountability yeah. for everything. Like, you can't point... I, I don't even understand anymore how you can point fingers on when things go wrong. Like, obviously, when you're delegating and things like that, but it originally, it ultimately comes back to you no matter what. If you're in charge of something or if you want your life to go a certain way, you have to initiate it, you know? And you, there's nothing you can't get back from. Like, that's the biggest thing even with Christianity is so, okay, so something went wrong. What do we do now? Yeah. Like, just look forward, move forward, make better choices. I've made plenty of boneheaded decisions um, on how I structured the team initially for real estate, just with being generous and not holding people to account. So the next team members I brought in, I literally told them the story of how I screwed up my last team and said, I really don't want you on my team. I'm not a good team leader. This is not why I did real estate. I made them wait a couple months before I'd even take them on, but they kept coming back. And so at that point, I was like, do you understand I am going to disappoint you. (laughs) Like, and do you understand that if you don't honor your word and I try to let you get away with it, you will have bad integrity if you let me overpay you. (laughs) Like, and I literally, I tried to set those boundaries knowing how badly I'd done before and we're doing better for it now. Now I'm finally at a lucrative team and we've had to have tough conversations and renegotiate things because they weren't realistic. But Fail forward. Who cares? Yeah, that's when I started to really like Christianity again because like, there's a point where I was just getting so annoyed with all these people like, do this, do this, like all these rules and Old Testament, Old Testament. You know how that goes. Um, but when I learned and I started reading the Bible for myself and you realize it's simply a book on how to be a decent human being. It's nothing more than that, nothing less. And then there's the source that comes, the energy that you get from that. Um, it's really a straightforward book. It's not this rocket science thing where you have to follow these strict guidelines. And obviously, there's laws, I believe, in place that you, or to help you of move course. forward in life. But once again, how to be a decent human. It's a really cool thing when you really get into it. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, the core tenet of Christianity is as soon as you accept Jesus, like you are made right through him. Yeah. So at that point, you are enough. You have done enough. You just need to stay focused on honoring him through your words and actions that means working hard that means being kind that that means living with a level of integrity where people know what to expect from you and you are so consistent in it that it points towards jesus like that's the goal granted we all mess up but like that's why i i love christianity it's the you are enough like you you were valuable whether you did or whether you didn't and you're enough yeah and no need to overcomplicate that no, and then the legalism with everybody having opinions on what people should be doing with their actions, we will get into fights about that because I think it's crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're good enough for Jesus, why do I care what Carol down the street has to say? Like, yeah. you're not my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So, with goals, I mean, what's the true end goal for you? So, my, my life's purpose um, is actually to be so joyful, (laughs) Um, to be so kind, to be so enthusiastic, to be so much, only God. Like, I want everything in my life to point back. The coolest thing when you you say that is, uh, as business people, normally you kind of learn to push your emotions to the side. And most of your goals when you become a business person is not emotion mindset. Most people don't even care about how they feel that day. But to see you, you you still want to be joyful. You still want to feel happy. That's interesting to me. Well, what's the point of being rich if you're going to be rich and grumpy? Yeah. I want to be rich and happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want want it all. So maybe I'm just more greedy than most. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, is the end goal to, like, net, like, 100? Is it to, or like, 100 million or 10 million or, like, what's the If you're not happy with your ramen and your $20, you're not going to be happy with 10 million. Mm. So 
my goal is like where, where my happiness threshold is, is to have so like, and this is just the reality. It's just to not stress, to have so much money that if somebody needs something, I can throw them $900 and not think twice about it. So the end goal is like financial freedom. Complete. Fi- and we have it. Like that's like, yeah, we've been living I the dream. <laughs> but just a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe. No. Well, cause right now it's, it'll never go away at this point. Like we've structured our lives and saved enough where like we don't technically need to keep earning money. Like our investments will do that for us. Wow. Um, but that's like, since money was never the goal, Yeah. there's no end in sight on the money. But here's the thing with money is once you get to a certain threshold, it's just so much easier to make it. So that's, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it kind of snowballs too, but it's unfortunate also for others. <laughs> so do you have a, uh, like a saving rule in a way? Yeah. Oh no, we, we budget aggressively. So okay. it's, um, could you break that down for us? Of course. Yeah. We do 11% goes to God. 10% is the traditional tithe yeah. and 1% is offering. So that offering is when people come to us with weird needs that we just didn't anticipate. If we have it within the oh, budget. Oh, so offering doesn't go to the church. That goes to whoever you know. Oh, okay. Just random acts of kindness Got really. It. And so like, um, my, it's just, we just try to give more. And so we, like 25% is given away practically. Oh no, it's only 1% of the 11. So it's 11% go give, is given away. Okay. And then almost 50% goes to taxes. Let's be honest. Wow. Um, really? A lot goes to taxes. You don't even like write all that off? Or? We, we write off as much as we can, but uh, we also don't want to cheat in any way. Like, so my, my husband's biggest fear is to be audited. <laughs> Honestly, um, so, so we live so far above board. It's honestly, we have a marital disagreement about what we should or should not write off. And we are very Damn. conservative because of him. I was about to say, because I, I mean, I'm not going to name drop, but I know an agent who made, I think like $400,000 in real estate sales, let alone, but only paid $10,000 in taxes. Yeah. And so there's, um, th- you can't. Which you could. You can. And, and I, I know who that agent is, if I'm thinking correctly, yeah. because I've talked to their accountant. I try to get my husband to consider that perspective <laughs> yeah. because there, there's that. It's legit. Like, I actually use him too. It's legit. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, is a tax code. It's nothing like you're it's evading it. And, and, and it's not ethical. even breaking the rules. It's just following. It's optimizing, which is what most, that's how most people have built their wealth is being strategic across all fronts. Wow. So, I mean, we're maybe closer to 40, but we were, okay. to be fair, like we've been gifted a ton of money that we weren't necessarily expecting this year. So taxes were super high, okay. um, which is fine. <laughs> okay. It was like inheritance or? Um, there was just the way the different loan programs have worked. And then I don't feel like we write off as aggressively what we give away. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of money gets. I was about to say, because whatever you put the church or whatever you put the charities could automatically be written Deducted. off. And so we, we do a lot of it, but then there's some people who need help that you can't write off. Okay. That's fair. And so like, um, the, the most recent thing I can think of in real estate is I spent 4200 replacing an air conditioner and a water heater for a former client who just was out. It, it was not a good business decision. I've already yeah. told you. Um, but it was in the budget. Okay. And so – and it, it was just the right choice. Like COVID had just happened. They are a service industry worker. They didn't have opportunities. And we had just been given a PPE loan mm. or PPT PPE. See, this PPE. is why my husband's better at business. <laughs> um, we, were, we were just gifted um, – 
to offset, but we'd only had a 25% sale loss. Okay. And like we had an emergency fund for days because that's how we live. So like that loan didn't feel as important to us. So we tried to find ways to pay it forward. Okay. It's ultimately so... what it came. But we didn't write it off. That was the point of that story. Okay. So <laughs> 50% and 11% and yeah. then what's the next point? And then so 10% goes into retirement savings. Okay. Like um, a Roth or ETFs or what? Um, yeah. So we have diversified. We have a lot of Vanguard stuff that we personally manage. Vanguard's amazing. And then um, the percentages get shaky, like pass in, like those are the fixed ones. And then we just have a ton of money that we like live off of. Um, we're honestly trying to curtail it. Like I feel like we we just furnished a second property and like. So you just have a lot of cash. That's what you're saying. That sounds really selfish, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but like, but like, but like not really. Yeah. So, but yeah, we, we obviously pay God, pay the government, yeah. um, pay yourself and People get really salty about that order because everybody says you're supposed to pay yourself first. But mm, our family, kind of. yeah, our family is very much every blessing we have is from God. So pay God first. And then after that, we pay the government because they take the most. So you got to just get that out of your mind because otherwise you get really grumpy about it. Of <laughs> and then um, after that, we then pay for retirement, pay for our future. And then within the rest is fixed expenses, living expenses. Like we were able to dump a bunch of mo- uh, money into Bitcoin. Recently, just because, like, why not? It's just because? Not just because? Just it, it was extra money. We'd so, already yeah. hit all of our other percentages and maxed where we needed to. Do you do the percentages, uh, like, monthly or quarterly or? We should. Um, honestly, like, tithe is the most set one. Taxes is the next set one. And then um, we've been giving way more to our retirement lately because we could. Um, but, like, we say retirement, but really it's just stocks. Like, yeah. that's one of the areas we've diversified. Was it, is it, so is it, like, a, a traditional IRA stock account? Or, I'm pretty sure you're over the yeah, threshold we're, for we're, Roth IRA. We're not allowed to do Roths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is that's a amazing. self-employment one that really? exists um, that you can contribute to more aggressively. I'm trying to think of what it's called. Is there a called. limit? Uh, it's, like, 9000 or something. If And to be fair, we pay somebody to do this. So I'm so sorry for being useless to you. No, it's all good. In that regard. Um, As you should. That's why you hire people more important than you. Or more... uh, And so the stocks and the fund that my husband manages are... um, those are the investments that he wants to get creative with, and he usually averages about a 12% return. Solid. I'm the real estate. 12% return? 12%. Amazing. Yeah, he's good. That's good. So we don't pay for a financial advisor. We pay for good tax people. There's a very big difference, but it's because mm. my husband's naturally very gifted with numbers and enjoys controlling that. I enjoy controlling real estate. I have a nose for properties that are going to have a really good ROI or be low maintenance, which is our goal. <laughs> Um, what do you look for with low maintenance? Is it just commercial or do you The look area. For, okay. I don't want to be a slumlord. Yeah. I don't want to live in a place where I know that I only had to pay this amount of money, but I'm going to get a 700 per month return on property, but I'm going to get a phone call from my tenant or have to evict them. Or, yeah. Like all these people who got in trouble, the smaller landlords who got in trouble when their tenants didn't have to pay rent anymore during COVID, I never had to think about that because I'm renting to people with bigger net worths than I have. They just have unusual circumstances that make renting important to them. So I buy in really nice areas. I renovate it to the teeth. I do charge above what fair market is at the time because certain people just want a lifestyle. And then I just know that I'm never going to have to talk to them again unless they break lease and like move on. That's amazing. So why do you value um, having rental over having a, uh, like, a, like an Airbnb? I want them all. So right now, because oh, okay. I do real estate for learning, um, the first thing we did was a rental in a great community where there was only a small circle of two hundred to 300,000 homes in the middle of a bunch of million-dollar properties. And so we bought a really cute little condo because, you know, at some point there's going to be a divorce. This sounds very predatory, but it's the facts. You know there's going to be a divorce where one of the parents has to move into that community to stay near their son who's at the school down the street. And so that was the first place we identified. 
Um, I was going to continue picking up properties there, but insurance cost has made it not as worth it to me where I don't think I want to keep owning properties that aren't single family worth more than 400,000. Mm. Um, and that's just more of when you look at the numbers on a property, the holding cost insurance has become very challenging Correct. this day and age. So then the next investment we did was a commercial space because we have the opportunity to pay rent through Chick-fil-A's um, line items. So we actually bought an office space and then made Chick-fil-A the tenant um, because we needed a common space between oh, the two stores. Okay. So again, we we bought the place. It wasn't necessarily the sexiest investment, but what made it great is we're also technically controlling the tenant. So it's okay. guaranteed rent. It's no risk. Wow. So it, it fit our strategy well. And okay, okay. Because I don't want to do a. I don't. I don't want you choose your problems. You're always going to have problems. I want my biggest problem to be like, what am I going to do with all this time? Hasn't happened yet, but that is the goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that was the commercial space. And then we recently looked at the Airbnb is what we were starting in Delray. So we're, we're trying to diversify out and experience a little bit of all of it to see what we truly enjoy. Yeah. Because why not? But you don't have that goal of like one property a year I want type it, of deal? So the low-key goal that we're saying is we want 10 properties by retirement. And the idea is that whenever we need a giant cash infusion, because then you slowly pay them off with 30-year mortgages. And so you can you can continue to pay for them, especially with the loan programs that allow you to offset the mortgage cost with the rent that's going to be promised on it. So our goal, and if we were at a lower income, which, which is how we made this plan – we were going to own 10 properties and then by the time we retire, have them all paid off. So that say like, mm, we want to send all the grandkids to Europe. Let's just sell that one. It's worth 400. Okay. Now we have 400 extra cash sitting on after taxes, not 400. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically that was going to be the plan. Now we're looking at it. It's money is easier to make than time is easier to enjoy. So I don't know that I want 10 properties anymore. Okay. I, it's even, big, even big with the property easy. manager? So then what are the R returns on that? At, at that point, I'd have to... Then you need to find something greater than the returns. So if, if my... It's hard. Yeah. If my husband becomes less awesome at managing stocks all day long. Okay. But like right now, if we want low maintenance money, he takes it. If we want um, to learn something new, then I take it. And we try our hand at a new type That's of investment. Life. That's a yeah. good life. It's really fun. That's we, amazing. Like we're beyond fortunate. No wonder I, you're so happy all day. You have a great life. It, you know what? <laughs> I count my blessings. <laughs> So, yeah, right. so, so, kind of just to wrap things up. What are yeah. your plans in a year, five years, and then, of course, ten to twenty, so ten plus? We're we're struggling to get the Airbnb concept figured out. Like, we want to be above board on the taxes, and we haven't gotten the county to recognize us as the owners since taking over the property. So, I would say within about four months, I want to actually have a good PNL on that property and see how I'm doing with it to see if it was a good idea or not. Yeah. And then we'll identify the next property. I really want to get something deep water access on the intercoastal with a boat. Like that'd be sick. Um, and then also I want like a high end space, an entertainment space. I kind of want that on the intercoastal, but I'd like to do like an event management space where you just straight up create a vibe and do it for entertainment so those are two real estate goals i have coming up and i do think those are probably within the next 10 years um just because they're going to be unique um in the interim of course we'll as opportunities come along buy houses flip them i just always want to have enough cash on hand to be able to seize the opportunity 
Gotcha. So that's – and then my husband's goals with Chick-fil-A, I think he just wants to survive it. Um, make sure that he's – he has a very – he puts a lot of pressure on himself not to disappoint. Mm-hmm. So um, 12% profit is average for the market. I know he always wants to exceed that. Um, and then I mean, 15% is standard in the business industry as a whole. So really? 15%. As far as corporate, I know a lot of corporate nice. places. I read a lot of books and then they say 15%. If you go over that, you're having a crazy year, but expect to go down to 15 if you go under that, then it's going to go – like that's normally the average okay. of profit margin. That's cool. Know. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. It's Chick-fil-A I does, does 12% and I'm guessing it's because of wages and then food cost are just – we have higher food cost across the industry than most brands because of the quality. Quality margin, yeah. So I think they probably built that in to – they'd rather take a little less money home. But we see it in volume and loyalty and guest. It's clearly – yeah. How can people hate Chick-fil-A nowadays? This makes no sense. (laughs) Only inaccurate media coverage. I agree. I'm biased. (laughs) I believe in that. All right. Well, I mean, it's honestly great to have you on. and um, Thank you. It was fun, and it was just kind of great to just pick your brain and just just at least get the audience to know what Chick-fil-A is all about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that it was super unconventional. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the, the biggest thing is the reason why we've been so successful, my husband and I, is we were willing to continually show up and do work that other people weren't. Simple as that. That's it. It's yeah. everybody thinks they're above it. And we we both got made fun of for our choice jobs in college. I would imagine with the, the cow suit. A hundred, no, my family Christmas card was oh, Natalie's no. and my big sister, Natalie. Natalie's in law school. Oh. Ashley's the cow again. <laughs> No, no yeah, which is, but I, I mean, you. and it's true, and it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> but but it but, just goes to show like you have to you have to have the long term vision. You knew that yeah. something bigger was going to come. You weren't doing it for the vision, but you yeah. knew this is what I'm doing now. This is what I got to do. Yeah. Be comfortable with your own choices and don't make excuses. Yeah, like that's it. really what it comes down to. But the minute you think you're better than something, you don't deserve anything. Yeah, I hate entitlement. <laughs> it's the worst. It's yeah, it's terrible. Now, would you like to plug any socials and your phone number, Gmail, what's the best way to reach <laughs> Call you? Call me. No, I don't know how to do that. I am the worst. <laughs> or, or just say your Instagram? Instagram is A.E. Balio, which A-E-Balio. my husband is giving me crap for. He says I need to create handles that don't point back towards us because I'm going to get us in trouble. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm very chatty. Now, anything um, <laughs> anything to reach with real estate wise? Uh, they want to buy and sell with you, don't they, Sean? I uh, hope they no, don't No, I like me. to plug you- any socials. Or like, or like, or like anything that they might want to work with you with. I guess if you want to spend a million dollars, give me a call (laughs) and I'll do my best. No, um, 561-609-2391. Truly call me if you need anything and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Amazing. Oh, perfect. Oh, 